to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. You know, we have... um, There are quite a few different and competing theories oops <laughs> theories about uh, what we as people really are and um what we think we are determines what what we're going to try and do to change um one one theory that um is quite common nowadays is that we we are what we feel, right? Have you ever heard that? It's a, it's a very popular uh, approach nowadays. We as human beings, you, what you feel defines you. Um, <clears throat> in America, for instance, I'm told by some American friends, you know, um, that they've started rolling out um, um, restrooms, bathrooms that are like for, you know, Anyone, you know, if if you uh, if you're, there's not like no longer male and female bathrooms, but but if you're a man and you feel like a woman today, then you can go to the to the ladies' bathroom. I'm serious. I mean, we laugh at it, but it, it, it's really. I mean, it's it's actually come to the point where it's in some of the states in America, it's actually law. Um, and so much so that if you if someone if a guy says, you know, I I, I feel like a woman. And um, in a man's body, but I feel like a woman in a man's body, and uh, you know I want to be addressed as her. If you then address that person as him, you can be fined thousands of dollars and even get set to prison. That is how serious modern society has become about this view that you are what you feel. Your feelings determine who you are. Um, <clears throat> another one that is uh, quite popular is you you are what you decide you are what you choose right we've probably all heard that and um, maybe some of us think that way as well you are what you choose in other words instead of focusing on feelings as what defines you instead of saying that your feelings are the center of gravity of your being this says that your will your ability to make decisions is this is, is your center of gravity you are what you choose. And, um, you know, if, if, if you are what you choose, then in order to change, you must just choose differently. And, and many of us, if we look at the way that we try and change, then actually, you know, this is what we believe about ourselves. We are primarily what we choose. Um, <clears throat> another... Another one that is uh, quite popular is uh, we are what we think, right? I think uh, it was um, Descartes who who put it in in the words, I think, therefore I am, which became quite popular. And many, I mean, Western civilization to some extent is built on that. I think, therefore I am, that we as human beings are primarily thinking, rational beings. And... um, but then you, you've got to wonder, I mean, what about a baby before it can think? You know, is it not human? 
Doesn't it exist? What about someone who gets Alzheimer's or who gets brain damage? Are they no longer human? Um, and another fourth one that I can maybe just mention is, is sort of a pragmatic approach of I am what I do. I am what I do. Uh, you know, your, your, your actions express who you are and, and you are primarily what you do. And I think the Bible actually says that all of those approaches are a bit reductionistic. Um, they don't quite capture everything about what we are. And I just want to read you a little portion from, from Mark chapter 12 uh, where, where Jesus talks into this um, issue. It says, One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said or rightly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Now after that, no one dared to ask any questions and we see here that, that Jesus comes and I, um, he he says the greatest commandment this guy asked him you know if you had to summarize the Old Testament I mean that was the Bible of Jesus day, how, how would you summarize and he says two things love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love, to love God and neighbor, is both the center and the sum of the law. What is the most important law? To love God and to love neighbor. And if that is the most important law, then it tells us something about ourselves, doesn't it? It tells us the most important thing about us is what we love. It's what we love. But, but notice the, the repetition of, I mean, the, this translation translated it all. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Literally, the word in, 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 um, in the Greek is your whole, your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, your whole strength. All of it put together. Um, and it, it, um, it's, it's, it uses an interesting preposition. It doesn't say use your heart to love God, use all your heart to love God, or use all your soul to love God, or use all your mind to love God, or use all your strength to love God. It says, love God out of your whole heart, out of your whole soul, out of your whole mind, and out of your whole strength. In other words, your mind, your soul, your heart, your strength, these are not just the instruments by which you love God and love your neighbor. These are the things 
this is what you are. You are all of those things, and out of all of those things, you must love God. So, so just you know, saying, you know, I am what I feel is reductionistic. Yes, what you feel is part of an expression, is one part of the expression of who you are. But it's not all of you. Saying I am what I decide, or I am what I think, or I am what I do, all of those are reductionistic. They're true to some extent, but we are all of those together. And it's out of all of those that we must love God. And, And that's why I say ultimately, according to this scripture, I think Jesus says we are what we love. Now, if you say, I am what I feel, and you realize you need to change, how are you going to try and change? By trying to change what you feel. (laughs) Right? You're going to try and feel differently to be different. If you say, I am what I decide, how are you going to try and change? You're going to try and change by deciding differently. Right? Willpower. I'm going to, you know, just decide, you know, and I'm going to... You know, set my mind to it and, and just decide differently and, and, and that's going to change me. If you, if you have the view, I am what I think, you're going to try and think yourself out of your problems. Has that worked for any of you? <laughs> Doesn't work for me. <laughs> you can't think yourself out of your problems because you are not just what you think. You're not a brain on a stick. Right? You're a lot more than what you think. And you cannot just do differently and and think that that's going to change you. What what Jesus is saying here is, out of all your being, your whole being, who you are, and he mentions those four things, you must love. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When mankind fell into sin, I mean, we, we know all of mankind with Adam and Eve fell, and I mean, all of, all of mankind has been sinning since then. We, we're pretty good at it, you know. You don't have to, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, I mean, I have three kids. You don't need to teach children to sin. <laughs> and he's also shaking his head. They seem to come, you know, hard. Why? They, they know how to sin, they figure it out themselves, you know. You have to teach them good manners. But you don't have to teach them bad manners. <laughs> you have to teach them what the right thing is to do, but you, somehow you don't have to teach them the wrong thing to do. They just, they just know. And um, I think all of us as, as people, our personal histories and us reflecting on the history of mankind will show us that we're broken, we're fallen, we're sinful. But here's the thing. Our brokenness, our fallenness, our sinfulness does not switch off our love. It does not cause us to stop loving. It just misdirects our love towards the wrong things. We still love. And we focus on the things that we love. And we do the things that we love. We think about the things that we love. We feel strongly about the things that we love. We make our decisions based on what we love. In other words... What we love is the aiming of our hearts, the aiming of our beings. What our beings are aimed at is what we love most. And what Jesus is saying is that if we really want to change, we need to change what we love. We need to change what we love. And then we'll change 
what we are. Um, but, but he's not only saying that. He's not only saying that we must change the direction of our love. But he's saying we must change the focus of our love. And that's why he's saying love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole strength, your whole mind. Because not only has our fallenness caused, uh, misdirected our love, it's fragmented our love. It's fragmented our love so that our love is split in all kinds of different directions and our love is not as focused as it should be. Our love, which initially was primarily on God and through God on everything else that He loves and He has created, is now fragmented throughout the world in all kinds of different things. And if it's focused, it's focused on us, (laughs) on ourselves primarily. And, and what Jesus is saying, don't you know, use your love, a little bit of your heart to love this and a little bit of your heart to love that and that, and, and the same with your mind and so on. Focus your love on God. Focus your love on God, and then everything else will fall into place. And um, now you might ask, but how? How do I love? How do I change what I love? Well, the first step is not what we do. The first step is what God does. 1 John says, we love him because he first loved us. Do you realize that your love for God is a reaction to his love for you? Do you realize that? That's what we were, why what we were doing tonight, worshiping God is so important. Because when we worship God, we set our eyes upon God and we realize who he is and how much he loves us. Thanks, Wendy. We realize who he is and how much he loves us through his word and and by focusing on him, and then we love him in return. In other words, that means the greater your revelation of God's love for you, the greater you're going to love him in return. God takes the initiative. And the more we receive of his love for us, the more we're able to love him in return. And, by extension, the more we're able to love one another in return. You want to love your friends more? Receive more of God's love. You want to love your wife more? Receive more of God's love. You want to love God more? Receive more of God's love. The more we receive, because it's not like God's going to love us more, right? He already loves us perfectly. But we don't receive all of his love. And that's why John says, For we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You know, and, and so often we know God's love, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We know it in our heads, but we don't always believe it in our hearts. <clears throat> and just like we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we must receive his love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But God also gives us a new heart that loves Him. Our hearts don't naturally want to love God. Our hearts, our fallen hearts, before God um, intervenes and changes our hearts, our fallen hearts don't love God. The Bible says our fallen hearts are in enmity to God. It's not natural for us as fallen human beings to love God. To desire God. It's natural for us to love ourselves. 
quite natural. But then God comes and he gives us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. He gives us a new heart, a heart that actually loves him. Uh, Romans 5 verse 5 says, He pours out his love in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. So he gives us a new heart. But then, even once, we, once God has given us a new heart, there are still things that we can and should do to grow in our love for him. Um, I, I, last week I shared the story of St. Patrick, on whom St. Patrick's Day is based. And remember the story about how he, was, he was, uh, lived on the sort of eastern shore of Britain, and then the Irish came in, the pirates, and they came and ransacked his, his village and took him captive, took him to Ireland and sold him as a slave. And for six years he worked as a slave in Ireland. And remember I read a little portion, for those of you who were there, a little portion of his own testimony where he's sort of, um, you know, afterwards writing about what happened. He said, you know, I was looking after the sheep and all I did was pray the whole time. The whole day, the whole night. I just prayed. And, and he said something very interesting. He said, as I prayed, my love for God grew. It became hotter and hotter. And our love is formed, um, how can I put it, through our desires are formed through ritual formation. Our desires are formed through what we do repeatedly. He repeatedly, day after day, hundreds of times a day, he prayed to God and focused on God and worshipped God. And what he did... He didn't only form what he he didn't only um, form what he did, but what he did formed him. It started forming him. What he did repeatedly started forming his heart and his desires, and he started to love God even more and more. And you know, this formation of, through what we do repeatedly, <clears throat> this happens whether we are aware of it or not. I mean, you can do it intentionally. I mean, anyone. I mean, like Okert or so or Christine, you know, who plays a music instrument, you know that you can form habits by doing things repeatedly, by intentionally going and doing things repeatedly until they become a habit. I mean, most of us probably drive. I mean, in the beginning, it, it's quite scary to drive with someone who's just learning <laughs> because everything, they, they have to concentrate on everything, you know. They, they have to, you know, consciously, you know, Think about changing the gears and, you know, there are three pedals down there. In the beginning, it's, it's difficult, you know, to figure out which one, you know, to step on. And, and you have to control the steering. It's very scary, you know. But eventually, by doing it over and over again, you know, when you've been driving for a couple of years. I mean, sometimes I get into my car at the office and I start driving home. And I'm thinking my head's all over the place. I'm thinking about a lot of things and so on. And when I catch myself, I'm driving into my driveway and I think... I can't remember driving home. <laughs> has that ever happened to you? But what has happened? You've, you've been driving your car so, so long that what you had to initially consciously concentrate on, you now do subconsciously. You no longer have to, especially when it's a road that you know. You can drive with your eyes closed almost, you know. Not quite, but I mean almost. <laughs> What has happened? By doing it over and over and over again, it's been formed as a habit in you and, you, and, it, and it's moved from your conscious to your subconscious. And you know what? They've done research and they found that only about 
three to five percent of what we do on a daily basis is based on our conscious thinking and decisions. That means the other 95% is pre-conscious, subconscious, habit. And our love is like that as well. In other words, that's why what we're doing now is so important, worshipping. That's why the things that we do repeatedly, with personally or corporately together as a group is so important because it actually forms us. It actually makes us who we are. It habituates us. Now you can imagine how is sitting in front of the TV watching series um, for hours every day, how is that going to affect you? How is that going to affect my children if, if I, if I let, allow them to watch TV for hours every day? So, what I want us to think about is we are, if we are, primarily what we love, and it's not only the direction but the focus of our love, then if we want to change, if we want to grow, then we need to grow. If we want to change, we, want to, we have to change what we love and how we love it. If we want to grow, we need to grow in, in what we love. Now, here's the problem. Even if we know this, we, if I ask you, what do you love most? Chances are you're not going to give yourself an honest answer. I mean, Jeremiah 29 says, the heart of man is deceitful. Above all things, you know, who can know it? The problem is we know what the right answer is. We know what we're supposed to love. And that's what we tell ourselves. Well, yes, of course, that's what I love most. But think about this. What do you feel most strongly about? What do you think most often of? What do you base your decisions on? What do you do repeatedly when you're not thinking about it? And those things will often tell you a lot about what you really love. The direction of your love. And one of the most important ways, as, I'm, as I was saying, that we can change that is by doing certain significant spiritual things repeatedly, like worship. So I'm going to ask um, Okert and them just to come up again. And, and I, <clears throat> I want us to realize, I mean, we don't worship God for our sakes primarily. But worshiping God actually does change us. It actually does change us. It actually does cause our love for God to grow. So let's stand, and, and, and I want us to really just focus on Him and worship Him. And, and I want you to... <clears throat> I want you to ask God... While, while we're focusing on Him, <clears throat> and before we start worshiping Him, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit one question. Remember I said um, we can't necessarily trust ourselves to give the accurate answer to this, but we can trust God. I want you to ask him and say, Holy Spirit, what is the primary direction of my love? In which direction is my heart, my soul, my mind, 
my strength? In which direction is it pointing? So just close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit that.